Impromptu bonus episode of Something for the People. Your host, B. Smooth, and our, our musical expert, once again, Mr. Rico Suave. <laughs> keep, you keep saying that. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to do a larger expose, but right now we're just going to shoot the breeze about music from the 80s. Get, hear some great stories, Rico, about the 80s, because I told you. I was, I was three in 1989, so I can only tell you so much. <laughs> I can only tell you going back and listening. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Thanks for making me feel older than I already am. Basically. Oh, man. Appreciate that. I have students right now that were born after 9-11. <laughs> I was in high school. I remember I was in high school in 9-11. Uh, we had, it was, a, it was that Tuesday. And it was a, uh, I was a sophomore, and we had a meeting with like the principal had a meeting with uh, with like all the sophomores. So each 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 day they got a different class. So like Monday freshman, Tuesday sophomore, so on and so forth. So like I, I show I show up late because I'm like I don't care. So I'm I'm on this meeting last year for freshman. I'm like I already know what you're gonna say. Like get ready for uh next year you gotta take the ACT. You know start thinking about college, scholarship, blah blah blah. All that stuff they tell you in high school that you don't listen to. So, but then, no, it was different. He said, "Yeah, there was a uh, planes went into the World Trade Center at uh at uh in New, in in New York. We don't know the extent of it. We don't know if it, if there was an accident or if it was a planned attack. We don't. We'll we'll keep you all updated. So then, okay, after that, after the assembly, whatever, I go to my history class. They got the TV on. We watching it like." Watching that plane hit, I, I saw that plane hit 50 times before lunch that day. And then, I, then I'll never forget when I came home because my mother worked and I was, you know, it's, it's like I was in the 80s because I was a latchkey kid. <laughs> so I opened up the, oh, I see her, she has a note that says, the U.S. got bombed, uh, be safe. I'm like, if they fly, if they fly a plane to our apartment, there's really nothing I can do, man. I can just <laughs> drink a Pepsi and just, Pray for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're trying to make me feel old, but now I even feel older. So that, 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 that story didn't help. I'm just letting you know that you're not the only old person. You're <laughs> 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 slightly older than me. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, but let's get to the topic. Rico, when you think of music from the 80s, yeah. think of. Wow. Uh, so many. Uh, and for me, I always kind of view the 80s as like the one-hit wonder era only because there were a lot of groups that had just like one hit and just kind of blew up. And I think a lot of that had to do with like the videos, like MTV was playing a lot of videos at that time. But I mean, there's to me, so there's there's two sides. There's the one-hit wonders and then there's like the Michael Jackson, Prince, Lionel Richie, Madonna, Whitney Houston in terms of artists. And then you had like groups like for me, like the ones that stick out are like the Police, Genesis, Journey Sticks, Ario Speedwagon. But then I also like like my favorite, one of my favorite artists in the 80s, Hall and Oates. I think that they, those those two guys were just like 
phenomenal. So um, that's what I think of. Jive talk. Jive talk. That's uh, that's the Bee Gees. That's the Hall of Notes. Yeah. Oh, no. Why do I think Hall of Notes? Hall of Notes had, you know, Rich Girl. They had, you know, uh, You Make My Dreams Come True, like Say It Isn't So. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always, I think I always confused because they had, they had similar sounds and I think of the hair. <laughs> I, you know what I liked about Hall & Oates, they, they were like a, a perfect combination of like R&B slash pop where it's like they kind of, you know, kind of, to me, it's like, I think they're probably like one of the, I think that in terms of like number one hit songs, like like in terms of duo or group, they're probably up there. Like they're, they're high up there because they, they span like the whole decade of the 80s. But I mean, so that's what I think of, you know, Genesis, um, obviously Queen, but, you know, um, but then, like I said, you had a lot of one hit wonders and you had like a lot of those like new wave-ish kind of groups, like, you know, uh, Tears for Fears, um, you know, groups like Depeche Mode, you know, Erasure, uh, New Order, but then you also had like Flock of Seagulls, Oingo Boingo, like all these different groups, but yeah, so it's like, you know, and not to say that Tears for Fears is a one-hit wonder by any means, but they did have one of the, the best albums of the 80s. Of the 80s. Um, uh, everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yeah, you know, that, that album, you know, produced a, a couple of tracks on there that was, you know, a, a standard for, for a lot of people in terms of the 80s. But, yeah, and then, you know, then it was like also like, it's also a weird decade because you had those artists from like the 70s, like the Elton Johns and Rob Stewart's, who were like at the tail end, you know, kind of going into the 80s with different kind of styles of music. Um, but, you know, uh, you know, then you had the rock groups, you know, you had, you know, the Van Halen's, um, movies, things like that. So there, it's just a lot. Like to me, I, I always felt like, and I know I said this before, like I felt like the 90s was for me the best, you know, decade of music only because like to me, R&B and, and, and rap of the 90s was like, the best but for me like the 80s you know that span like that's just a whole like you know collage of different artists and different styles of music so to me that that that, that was a fun decade you know to be a part of um and everyone had their own like favorite groups like there wasn't there wasn't i mean you i mean you yes you had the madonnas the prince you know the michael jackson's that people always kind of gravitated to but then there was also those who you know like i said like other artists like it could have been like you know, culture club, um, you know, you know, groups like Rushed. Yes, like they were kind of like, you know, out there, you know what I mean? Like just U2s. I mean, just, just a whole bunch of different kind of others. So you had like, everyone had like their favorite, like Michael Jackson, Prince kind of thing. But then they also had like another group of artists that was totally different than what they, you know, than what everyone was listening to. So I, I can always remember going over to friends' houses and they would always have the posters of their favorite groups. And that was like, that to me, it reminds me of the 80s. Like you would go to your friend's house and they would have, you know, posters of their favorite groups and you would see like Def Leppard and then you would see, you know, all these different artists. Um, and then of course you had the rap, you know, artists as well, but they weren't as popular just yet. Um, I think we're moving towards like the late 80s when a lot of rappers became like especially popular, like, you know, your Big Daddy James. Eric B and Rakim. I mean, but but it started. I think we talked about this before. Like when One DMC collaborated with Aerosmith, that was kind of like the beginning of like people really accepting rap music, you know, nationwide. Where everyone was like, "Oh, you know, there's this group Run DMC." I'm like, "Yeah, I knew about Run DMC like before all." You know, it's like you know, I I had their first album. Like you know, I I know I know who these guys are. 
Um, but, you know, again, I mean, it's so bad. That was like, you know, mid to late 80s. That's when, you know, rap kind of was moving up. But up until that time, it was rock music. And you also had like artists like, you know, Billy Joel, Bruce Springsteen. Um, gosh, like who else? One of the, uh, well, John Mellencamp, but then also one of my favorite artists from the 80s who like had a song on every soundtrack in the 80s. You know who I'm referring to? Kenny Loggins. Wow, oh, you're a Kenny Loggins fan. No, I'm not a Kenny Loggins fan, but he always had a, a song on a soundtrack. He had one for Top Gun, Footloose. He had another movie that uh, Sylvester Stallone did, the arm wrestling movie. I think it was called like, Over the Top or something like that. But he always had, he, had, he did the Caddyshack uh, one as well. So it was like a recognizable voice where you're like, who is this dude? And why is he like in every soundtrack from like a movie in the 80s? But it was like, so that's one of those artists that like people may not know or like, you know, know like his, his songs. But if I were to say, oh, he did the theme for Caddyshack or, oh, he did, you know, Danger Zone from, from Top Gun. They're like, oh, I know that guy, but they don't know him by name, but they, you know, they've heard his song or something like that. So, yeah. All right. So, nope. so the 80s were kind of like the, like, it was like 1980, I think, when uh, MTV, or 1981, I think it was 81, when MTV came about. So, you know, I'm, I'm later 80, so yeah. what, was, what was it like when MTV came, came on? It was, it was crazy because you had, I remember my, the, the, one of the first videos I saw was Peter Gabriel, Shock the Monkey. And, you know, Peter Gabriel, I, I believe, got to start with Genesis. He was the first drummer, lead singer, or something like that for, for Genesis. That's, that's how he got started. But then when he had a solo career, he had some of the most craziest videos you ever want to see. Shock the Monkey, Sledgehammer, like all this stuff. So for a lot of these artists, how they, how they got popular was because of the video, not so much the song, because people will watch their videos and be like, whoa. So you had artists that actually when they did videos, it actually went with the song. Like I remember Pat Benatar, you know, did a song and her video was exactly like the song, but then you had other artists, you know, i.e. Peter Gabriels, whatever, that just did something totally different. So when MTV came out, like you actually got to see them and you're like, wait a minute, that's, that's kind of crazy. And so then that's, you know, what started like, you know, all these videos and, 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 you know, Thriller was the first one that actually was like an actual like full length, you know, not so much a video, but almost like a mini movie. Um, and I remember the first time that that aired, that was like after midnight. They couldn't play it during, during, because uh, they were they were they were scared that the kids would be watching it, so they wanted to make sure that it was on later night. But MTV if only was they kind knew. Of, if only they knew what was coming. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, but when MTV came out, it it, it changed the game because, um, you know, now you got to see your favorite artists and you got to see them in, in a way. Um, because back then, I mean, obviously, you know, concerts weren't as big as, you know, as they are now. I mean, to get them in concert, you know, it, it would be hard. They weren't playing these big venues or whatever. And so a lot of artists, you know, made their fame with the videos more so than, than the actual song. Um, or the song was like, was good. But then when you saw the video, it was like, oh, okay. Um, and, you know, Madonna took it to another level. Um, you know, like I said, Michael Jackson. Uh, Prince was pretty pretty standard. He didn't really go too far off the cuff, but um, but then there were artists who kind of you know kind of went there, you know, and, and did something and kind of made it 
kind of made it fun to be honest with you to, to, to see it. But yeah, I mean, MTV used to play videos nonstop and then they would have different shows, you know, they had, you know, like a headbangers ball and they had Yo MTV raps. And so they specialized on different genres. And so they would play, it was just like a radio station. They would play like their normal, you know, whatever playlist, you know, from whatever, nine o'clock to five or nine to 10 or whatever the case may be. But then after that, they had specialty shows and then they would play some pretty crazy stuff after hours. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, that was, that, that was a fun era, you know, to the point where, you know, they would give you some insight, you know, on these artists and a lot of them, because of the video, you would gain, you would, you would get that insight from them. You know, it was just kind of, you know, kind of weird. So I know you and I, we're both big R&B fans. So what was, how would you describe R&B in the eighties? That, that, that was, that was tough because you had a lot of artists, you know, i.e. the Lionel Richies, the Michael Jacksons who were kind of going more into pop. So where they were, you know, kind of, you know, more in the R&B scene, you know, with the Commodores and with the Jackson five, um, pop was just gaining so much ground and rock, you know, and so R&B was just trying to figure out its, its, its niche and MTV wasn't playing a lot of rap and a lot of, R&B uh, stuff, unless it was more like the popcorn kind of stuff, you know, the the bubblegum kind of kind of stuff. And and there weren't a lot of groups at that time getting a lot of airplay. So R&B, I thought that wasn't the, the best era because, you know, you had artists, you know, because even like Whitney Houston, you know, even though she started in the 80s, I wouldn't, we, I think we talked about this in, in, in a previous episode, you know, even though she kind of started out kind of R&B, she really was pop because she just kind of, her voice just kind of, you know, kind of went there. Yeah, um, there weren't a whole lot of big artists in the '80s because even like the, you know, you had Barry White who was trying to do his thing, Luther Vandross who was coming up, but it was just like there weren't a whole lot of R&B artists that were really making noise. I mean, you know, because even like the the Cool and the Gangs and you know artists like that, like the Cameos. I mean, they they, you know, they were coming up, but they weren't like. You know, it was hard because, again, you know, MTV was only playing, you know, certain certain style of music. And, and so they weren't really branching off into into other genres. And um, so I, I, for me, that's a, that's a tough era of, of R&B because, again, I, I I was following New Edition because New Edition said, what, like 82, 83. And so, um, you know, that's when BET kind of had their own thing and they were, you know, they were showing their videos. And so I would watch a lot more. BET than I would MTV because I wasn't even though I was a rock fan I wasn't really really vibing off a lot of the artists I mean I mean there were certain songs but I wasn't like you know really into it but to me like so it, it's it, it was tough for the 80s for, for R&B to be honest with you yeah and but I know when I when I when I go back to when I listen to like a lot of 80s R&B it was a lot of it was a lot of groups I didn't mm-hmm. like because like now in R&B they're like there are no R&B groups now, yeah. And like back then, you had you had like Midnight Star, mm-hmm. had Atlantic Star, all this, this I call them the star bands. Yeah, Cameo and the Gap Band, and like one thing I, I always I didn't know. Like I would talk to my parents about this was like I thought Cameo was just a uh, like like three guys. I didn't know it was like a big like like a ten member yeah. over ten members of that band. I was like, oh my god, that. I know they pay everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Those those days. I mean, that's. That, I think I, I think I shared this on the previous episode. Like, I remember going to a a Budweiser Superfest, and it was cool. And the gang was the headline. And, 
and they had new edition, Tina Marie, Jesse Johnson review. Like it was just like this, you know, kind of a weird mix of artists, but yeah, you're right. There, there were a lot, a lot of those kind of groups. Club Nouveau was another group in the eighties that was, you know, had a couple of hits and, and they were, they were a group too. But then you also had like one of my brother's favorite groups, the Jets, you know, they, you know, they were, they played their own instruments as well as, you know, um, you know, saying their own songs. And so, yeah, you had, you had kind of those mix, but again, they weren't getting a lot of airplay. They weren't getting the notoriety like rock bands were. And I think a lot of that had to do with the MTV crowd, you know, because MTV kind of opened the doors because what MTV did, it made the country a little bit smaller, right? Because instead of like, because you would hear, you would hear different songs on MTV than you would at your local radio station. So for those people that were, you know, in the Midwest or, you know, out in, you know, the you know, Montana's and Iowa's and whatever, who maybe not have, who don't have, you know, a typical kind of pop, you know, um, you know, radio station. Now MTV was like broadening your horizons and now you can listen to all these different artists uh, that you couldn't before. Um, so again, you know, that's, that, that was kind of like the claim to fame. And again, you're talking about the eighties where everything was still relatively new and fresh and it, it was different. And so, um, to make videos, you know, was a lot. Now you don't really need that anymore. But, you know, back then it was like you needed, you needed a hit song and you needed a video in order to be, to really make it in the eighties. Um, but, you know, again, that's crazy era, crazy time when it comes to music. But again, R&B artists in the eighties was just, you know, just like an afterthought, really wasn't much there. And plus at the tail end of the eighties, that's when rap music was kind of, really building up you know so you had you had like you know like i said the you know the the eric me rock kims the hello cool jays run dmc beastie boys salt and pepper was coming up uh public enemy kind of like tail end of that too i believe in the late 80s so you had you had these other artists kind of you know kind of shifting the balance a little bit so you had like a lot of rock and you know some some new wave and all of a sudden r&b was kind of slacking and then rap was kind of moving up so the, the rap kind of r&b combo uh was kind of shifting at that time. All right. Speaking speaking of like this, that's a good transition. Like, like you know, rap from like the late seventies, like Sugar Hill Gang. You know, it was really over. Like, you know, going kind of it was it was kind of the beginning of it was kind of really popish. You know, breaking off from like the disco era. So, yeah. How did rap transition in the eighties? Even like the way they rapped, because I noticed like there was a big like in the, from the early eighties to the late 80s there's a shift in the way people rap people yeah rap. my name is rough and i rap like this and blah, yeah blah, and blah 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 until you know a nice good rhythm to the like late 80s real smooth kind of like big daddy Kane. yeah i think i you know and honestly i think maybe videos played a little bit of that role too but again i think the way that you know rap music started out yeah you're right you had like the curtis blows who were kind of like that old school and my name is curtis you know and, and that kind of thing and then everyone started having their own kind of style. And I think, you know, I, I lean on, you know, I, I want to say three artists that really, that really stuck out for me in, in the eighties. And that was, um, you know, kind of like the Kumo D, LL Cool J, Eric B, Eric B and Rakim, right? They, you know, they, they were kind of like the ones who kind of in the mid eighties kind of had that shift where it's like, oh, they got some style. And all of a sudden then you threw in like Kumo D, Big Daddy Kane and like, slick rick and you're just like whoa like this is like their storytelling you know and i think that that's when i think of rap there's like rappers and then there's like storytellers and then there's lyricists and and and, and i think we i think we actually talked about this and when we talked about rap early on and 
that's really when the shift came when it was just like people started having different styles and you're just like, whoa, you know, that's, that's different, you know, cause I love Curtis Blow. I love that old school kind of stuff. But then also there's something about like, you know, the LL Cool J, I'm bad. Like that, that will always be one of my favorite tracks, you know, from back in the day. And then you know, we talked about, I ain't no joke by Eric B and Rakim. And then, you know, anything from, you know, uh, children's story, slick Rick. And it's like, and then you, you know, again, like toward the late eighties, then you threw in, you know, Chuck D who took it to another level. So, I mean, you started seeing these shifts because everyone had, you know, a different style. I, I don't, I, I can't really pinpoint other than the fact that it just seemed like a neighborhood kind of thing almost, you know, Bronx and then, you know, depending on where they're from. And it's just like, they just brought this different style to the forefront. Cause a lot of it I think is, and I, you know, we're seeing this when it, when it comes to music in general, when something's really hot, you want to imitate it because it's just kind of, you're seeing that everyone's kind of gravitating to that. And so I think early on, everyone, looked at those early rappers and it was like oh okay so it's all fun and it's you know hippity hoppity hip and then all of a sudden like it took someone and again I, i'm not you know maybe you know it's run dmc they come out with you know certain style and then all of a sudden like oh okay so it's a little bit different and then when you saw them in a video with the big rope chain the leather jacket the fedoras and the shoelace you know the adidas with no shoelaces everyone was like oh shit they got their own style you know and then that's when you saw kind of ll with the kingo and then the same thing and then Big Daddy Kane, you know, like it was just, you know, again, it was just, you know, it, it allowed for more creativity. I think that that's probably, you know, what filled the void, to be honest with you. When rap came in, it was just so many different styles, so many different people that they just kind of picked it up and ran with it. But I, I can't, I mean, but again, everyone had, you know, everyone kind of leaned toward, you know, to me, like, you know, to me that the, the Kings of rap will always be run DMC because they were the ones who made it made it popular, you know, everyone knows them, everyone knows a Run DMC song. And I think they're, they're the ones who kind of paved the way for these other artists to kind of do their own thing. Because, I mean, think about it. Think about the Beastie Boys for a second. You know, three Jewish kids from New York, you know, who, who would have thought that they'd be, you know, a rap group. And then, you know, they, I think they started out as a punk group and then they went to rap and then look at the career that they had, you know, they're going, they're going to go down as one of the greatest rap groups of all time, you know, and, you know, they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for a reason, you know, um, but who knows if that ever happens if, you know, if it weren't for artists, you know, you know kind of like one DMC kind of paving the way and kind of opening up other doors because it's definitely a different style. I'm, I'm thinking like in the 80s, that's when like hip hop was very New York centric. Like, like all of them, like maybe like all the top rappers, you know, they either came from like the Queens or, or the Bronx. Yep. You yep. know. Few, few from Brooklyn, but you know those were the three like areas. But then, yeah, they, but, but yeah. in Chicago, where where we're from, uh, they had a, they were doing different music. They were doing uh, they were doing the child of disco house music. Yeah. yeah. So being like going to like a little bit of like what you know from like the house music then, because I know like my parents at the time. That's how they like got together was through house music. They both were, like house heads and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and for me, it was, you know, I, you know um, the radio station that, that I remember back in the day was BMX, you know, 102.7, which is, um, you know, on Friday nights, they would, you know, they would play house music. And they had the Hot Mix 5, you know, the, the to me, kind of like the, the godfathers of the, of, the, of the DJ crews, you know, and so each DJ had their own style of music that they liked to play. Um, but yeah, house music, I remember hearing that for the first time, you know, I was, you know, in, you know, in middle school and, you know, I would, what I would do is, you know, the old school, you know, I would have my little boom box, you know, get my little Maxell tape, 
put it in on Friday night, hit play record, you know, at, at 10 o'clock at night and then, you know, fall asleep. And then the next morning I had my mix, you know, my mix for the week, you know, um, and I leaned toward, you know, a couple of the, the hot mix five, you know, Rocky Rosario was one of, you know, one of my favorite, um, you know, DJs at that time because he blended in a lot of like the Latin house and kind of like more of the Caribbean kind of sound. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that, that, I always have a smile on my face because I think about that. Like that, that was just a great era because that's, you know, you're right. House music was kind of, that was a Chicago thing. And whenever I would take, whenever I would go out of town, you know, or, 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 or travel anywhere, you know, I had my Walkman and I would, I would play, you know, the mixes. I, I would play the crap out of them. I still have some to this day, which is, which is hilarious, but I still have a lot of those mixes from back in the eighties. Um, but yeah, I mean, house music, you know, was it, I mean, it was, it was a perfect combination of like, you know, disco, gospel, R&B, and, you know, it just, it just flowed and it, it just got you on the dance floor. And, you know, back in those days, you know, it, they had a couple, couple clubs that were like 18 and up, but very few, but I mean, you had to like, you know, a lot of it was house parties where people would just, you know, go to a house and, listen to music till you know who knows when till the cops came kicked you out or whatever the case may be but um yeah those those were some good times back then but again like there were those were those mixes were played you know after hours you know gci got into the mix a little bit after that too but bmx was the place that you that you went to hear because those those djs on there were, were top notch and uh like I said, the sound was amazing. It was a whole movement, you know, like we talked about, you know, with rap, you know, it's a whole culture, a whole movement that, you know, it's, it's hard, to, hard to explain, but uh, it was all about people having a good time, you know, going to parties and enjoying each other's company and, and feeling good about yourself. Um, that's what I always remember about house music. And that's why, you know, I can listen to certain so songs now and just like, wow, it takes me back you know, to those days of just, you know, enjoying listening to music and enjoying each other's company. Um, but it was a whole experience, you know. It wasn't just a it wasn't just a music thing. I mean, the, the people there, and you would see different people. Like you, they used to have industry nights on Mondays, um, and that's when a lot of the DJs would all get together and people who worked at clubs, and then they would, you know, meet up at different spots. And um, you know, that was awesome because you get to see you got to see these DJs when they weren't working, and they were just you know, which is like a whole culture, a whole community of people, which was awesome. So I want to shift again to. That's an artist, big artist today. So I, I'm going to bring him up first because I have so much of his stuff and I've spent so much money on him. Let me guess. <laughs> the, the purple man from Minneapolis. That's what I'd say, the purple one. <laughs> from Minneapolis. So let's, let's talk about this Prince. Like, like that was him and Michael Jackson. And so they were next yep. in the 80s. So we, we can go to Prince first. Like, what are your memories of like Prince's music from the yeah. 80s period? Yeah, well, you know, it was funny, I think, and I, I may have shared this before, but the fir my first time uh, hearing a Prince, Prince record was my good friend's sister had the record and uh, they played Little Red Corvette. And, and I was like, yo what the what is this like this is like amazing and then he's like look at the words like read, read the words of the song and then it just kind of hit me i was like oh that's what he's talking about i'm like oh okay because you know it, and and so that's when i knew prince was like a, on another level and so 
it was interesting back in the eighties because, you know, again, you know, you had people that were, that was very, how can I put this? So people had favorite songs by certain artists, but if you put, put artists against one another, you either were a Michael Jackson fan or a Prince fan. You weren't both. At least that's what I remember as a kid. Like, you know, you, you, you like certain songs, but if push came to shove, you were either one, one or another. And so in the early 80s, Michael Jackson was it. But Prince was a little bit different because Prince, in my opinion, back in the 80s, his fan base was the most diverse you'll ever see, in my opinion, back then. Like, I think I mentioned this before, like Sade is another one of those artists that kind of just runs like – it's just a wide mix. Prince was the same thing because you had some black and brown people who were kind of like, yeah, I like Prince. I just don't know like what's he on because he's wearing these outfits. And again, you watch the videos and you're like, man, what the hell is this? And then, you know, you heard the songs and you're like, yeah, okay, it's not really pop. It's not really R&B. It's kind of rockish. And so, but Prince was just, like I said, his fan base I could vibe. I could vibe with that fan base, you know, all, all day, every day. Because again, his style of music—he um, was a genius. You know, he, he'll go down as one of the, the greatest artists of all time, period. But back then in the '80s, people were still trying to figure him out. Like again, you know, he had a lot of his earlier stuff, you know, controversy and and and, and all these other uh, earlier hits. But to me, like obviously, Purple Rain was the one that kind of when that album movie came out, that that was it. That that was that was the end for a lot of people because then that kind of opened the floodgates and it was like, yo, this dude is amazing. Um, but again, you know, I, for me, you know, I, my, my favorite, it's hard for me to pick a favorite song by Prince, but the one that, that impact, one that I always lean back on and say, yo, this is the one that made me really notice Prince with Little Red, Little Red. Um, but yeah, but I mean, let's put it this way the girls that like Prince were girls that I wanted to, to meet and hang out with. Let's just put it that way. So I think that's a, that's a better way of kind of describing like back then, you know, because if, if, if a girl said that she liked Prince, I was like, okay, this is a girl I need to spend more time with, get to know whatever. Um, so yeah, so Prince, Prince was, yeah, he, he was it for me. Like I said, cause that was, you know, like I said, I was in middle school at that time when he was really like hitting and he was just like, Phenomenal. I, I can remember going on like uh, field trips, like on the bus, and we would just be singing Prince songs on there, you know. Um, yeah, but so you you pick you pick the, a, a great artist to uh, to have as your favorite Beast Mode because honestly, there are very few that you could even put in the same category as Prince. Um, very few, very few. You know, I'm I'm I became fan like after his uh. Day. so I'm, I'm I'm having to go back, like you know, start with like the greatest hits, and then let's go back to the albums. Like, I guess like yeah. 1999 was such an amazing album. And when I bought the box set, it has so many little things about about like that album and about it was something I didn't know. Like the last song on the album is called uh, uh, "International Lover," and I didn't know he didn't he didn't write originally write that song for 1999. That was a song for the time. And from reading the thing, he has like, they have these like his, his original line, his little notes while writing the lyrics. And like he wrote it on a notebook and he, he, and he said, he said, Morris, turn next page, punk. So, so it was just the rest of the lyrics. 
So I was like, okay, this is it. Like, and he he talked a lot of shit towards me. <laughs> yep. It was, it was like it was a love hate relationship, right? Kind of like brothers. I mean, it's yeah. And then just going through like, like in each none of his albums ever. You didn't say not say like, okay, this problem. Okay, he did this before. Like, no, it, each album was different. 1999 doesn't sound like Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and then which doesn't sound like uh, Around the World in a Day, which doesn't sound like Parade. It doesn't sound like which what I think is his best album. Uh, sign of the times. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a that's a under the radar uh, album, but yeah, there's a lot of great songs on there. I um, think that was when he was at his his height of like just creativity, and he had the right mix. Like he had like Sheila E. He had like broke up the revolution and just said, okay, I want to do something different. Yeah, I think that was his height, and this when I think that's that's probably his most R and B ish album too. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember reading notes on that. He was. He said at the time we get that out. He was listening to a lot of Luther Vandross and Anita Baker. Yeah, so, so many, so many, so many great hits. I mean, that's um, that's one of those artists where you know it, it's there's just not enough, not enough greatest hits. I mean, you could you could have probably about three, four greatest hits albums, and still not even. Not even scratch the surface of some of some of those other hits as well, um, but yeah, he's just. I mean, we could talk about Prince. We can we could do all episode on Prince to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, he he was one of those. Like I said, I, I'm I'm fortunate to have grown up in the era that I did because to watch artists evolve, um, and and look, you know, Michael Jackson was another one that kind of evolved where his albums don't sound the same either. Um, there's aspects of Madonna that did the same thing. One of my favorite artists from the eighties, um, that doesn't get a lot of recognition, Billy Ocean. Um, I love some Billy Ocean. Um, and it's funny because, um, I was listening to his greatest hits album the other day, not too long ago. And there were a lot of songs that I remember like, yo man, like this dude, this dude is solid. Um, but again, he doesn't get a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of credit, a whole lot of notoriety, but he was one of those artists like in the eighties that doesn't get a lot of credit, but his songs were good. I mean, again, like we could, the heavy hitters, you know, Lionel Richie, Michael Jackson, Prince, Madonna, um, we could talk about them. In the eighties, um, it was something about a lot of, I don't know, with Lionel Richie, mm-hmm. I just felt a lot of his like eighties work was, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of corny. It was just like, it, cause I, I listened to a lot of the Commodores and I was just like, this is some. Yeah, I, and I, I lean more toward, I didn't really like a lot of his up-tempo stuff, but a lot of his ballads were. Yeah, I like the ballads, but like like dancing on the ceiling, I'm like, nah, I don't want to dance on the ceiling. I want, no, I want yeah, the, the album, yeah, the album that did it for me, you know, can't slow down that album because it had, you know, Running With The Night, had, you know, All Night Long, Penny Lover was, you know, one of my dad's all-time favorite songs by him. Um, but you know, to me, his 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 slow stuff, his love songs were you know, some of some of the best. You know, we talked about Babyface. You know, being the, the '90s dude. You know, Lionel Richie was that '80s dude where you needed a, a ballad and you could pretty much, okay, Lionel, I need I need something. What you, what do you got for me? Okay, three times a lady or you know whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, he just had those in his back pocket where it's just like, yo, I mean, look, he collaborated with Kenny Loggins. On, I mean, uh, Kenny Rogers. On, you know, Lady, like. Come on, man. Like, but you're right. I mean, it was a lot of that bubblegum stuff where it was like, 
you know, popish, uh, commercial, you know, yeah, I mean, but that, that was his lane and that's, you know, you can't fault, you can't fault a, fault someone for like staying in their lane and, and, and doing what they do best. And that's what he did best, you know? Um, but you're right. Like the Commodore stuff was different, but he was smart though. He went in a different direction. Kind of like, you know, Michael Jackson did the same thing, you know? Yeah. Um, he can't, he couldn't like, it was just like, why are you still doing Commodore if you going to stay with them? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm going to bring up one, I'm going to bring up artists that you brought up that we, that we keep bringing up, but we need to really give her, do Sade, she yeah. like, and the thing is, like, she's still like mysterious, mm-hmm. like, cause she just he comes around every ten years or so, drops some music, and then she disappears. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, she and she's she's one of those ones. Like I said, when I saw in concert, like the way she sounds in concert is the same thing on vinyl, you know, CD, whatever. It, it doesn't change. And you can't say that for a lot of artists, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, she was one of those, you know, I mean, I, I hate to, I, as I'm, as I'm saying this, this may not sound right, but you know, she could be the queen of Neo Soul, to be honest with you, because she just has that way of kind of, you know, her music is, is different, you know, it's very seductive, very kind of like, almost sexy in a sense where it's just like, yo, like this is, I could vibe off this, you know? Um, and there are very few artists like that, but, and she's been doing it for so long and she probably had the same band all, you know, her entire career. I don't think she's ever, you know, lost a, a, a band member or whatever. Cause I just feel like they're like the tightest kind of group of people. Um, Cause again, when I saw her in concert with John Legend, like, she performed for two and a half hours and it was like flawless. Like you, you, you swore you were listening to her CDs, you know, it was just like, yo, like how, that's amazing, you know? Um, but yeah. And, and I, I didn't, like when I went to go see, I, you know, I, I'm always booked. It's always, every time I go see something, I got to look it up. I got like, okay, what's the, what's the, what's behind the story? Like, I didn't know that like the name of the band is also Sade. I didn't know that. And so like I went to a concert I'm like, okay. Then I look and I'm like, okay, that's the way she was able to help everybody get piggy. Okay. <laughs> like, that's a smart woman. Yeah. All right. So what, what were some songs that by Sade that you like, you were like, that you can do? By Sade that you remember? From oh. Red, like, song. Come on, man. There's, uh, as I'm thinking of it, Jezebel Sticks Out. That's one of my songs. Um, Ordinary Love. Um Gosh, there's just so many, man. You put me on the spot. I mean, there's. I know. I like because I like like your love is king. Uh, yeah, your love is king. Operator, smooth operator. Um, yeah, there's just so many. Um, and what I like is that they're not, they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You know that there's elements of and because you know, some artists, um, when they stick to the same producer, they kind of sound the same. Like you know, to me, when I listen to like, you know, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. A lot of her songs sound exactly the same on the on the on the record or CD. Chade's are always different. I mean, it's like it's not the same, you know, kind of vibe. It's not like I mean, you can tell like obviously in her voice, but musically, it's not it's not the same. And I think that that's what you can appreciate by a lot of those artists is you know when they're you know their their songs aren't the same. Like we we were talking about that with Prince, right? He he changed with the time. He was never the same. You know, he evolved. Is is kind of like the word I like to use. And when an artist evolves like that that's great because it's not the same. And then you're kind of recognizing your audience. I think that's, 
that's where a lot of like boy bands and R&B groups kind of suffer because they, they stick to their same kind of style because, you know, that's what got them popular. It's like, no, if that's not what's hitting now, then you need to change it up, you know? Um, and so, you know, to me, like an artist like Sade, you know, she, her songs are, are, are different, um, but, but it's still Sade. Like she, she leaves her mark on every, every one of her songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the way to do it. And, and it, those are, those are the artists that, you know, when we talk about some of the greatest artists of all time, they're the ones that change with the time. They don't stay with the same, same, same style. They're different. Um, you know, the group that's like that, you know, I mean, again, there's just, there's, there's just a lot of groups um, that are like that, that, or artists that are like that, that are successful. I think that's, that's the key. I think you just brought up someone else, Janet Jackson. Like I yeah. forgot, like, when, when people talk about like like great like female artists like I, I think Janet gets like overlooked a lot. Sure. Because you know, well, her, her vo- I'll, I'll admit her voice wasn't the strongest, mm-hmm. but it got the job done. Yeah. <laughs> but like for, as far as innovative, like with like her choreography, her videos, like they were. Hey, she had Paula Abdul choreograph some of her videos too. So I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I went to her Rhythm Nation concert and that was, you know, one of my favorite concerts because again, it, it, you know, at that time, you know, she had that album and then she had, you know, the Control album, which was before that, that was heavy influenced again by Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, again, you know, part of the time, which is a part of the, the Prince. Minneapolis style. I mean, that, and that, she went, you know, look, she went, the story goes, she went to Minneapolis to work with them and her dad, Joe Jackson said, she, he, he didn't want her to work with them. And, you know, they ended up coming out with the Control album because she had an album before that that wasn't successful, wasn't, I forget what it was called, but she had an album before Control that was very popish and just not, you know, all that. And then when she did Control, that was it because um, you, had, you had Control, Pleasure Principle, you had What Have You Done For Me Lately, all those were on that album. Um, and that kind of set the tone. And then when Rhythm Nation came out, that was, you know, that was it. You know, that was that was late '80s. Um, that album was, you know, you know, phenomenal. Uh, all Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's and that guitar solo in, in Black Cat, if I'm not mistaken, was Jesse Johnson, who was part of the, you know, the, the original time. So that was that was his guitar lick on there. And, um, Black Cat was one of the songs you're like, yo, that's Janet Jackson, like, you know, that kind of vibe. But I mean, yeah, she's she 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 gets very underlooked, you know, when it comes to, you know, the you know, the eighties artists. Um, but she but she could put on performance, like, you know, again on stage, she was you know, she was amazing, choreography and all that. Um Yeah. But it wouldn't be the eighties if we didn't bring up, you know, the what I feel is the uh the dark stain on the eighties. Is when uh, actors start to come out with albums. I'm looking directly at Eddie Murphy and Don Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, yeah. I mean, Rick. Oh, we didn't bring him up. Rick James did the best he could with Eddie. <laughs> yeah. Hey, party all the time. Look, I, I I've said this before. Like when I when I used to DJ. Just for a joke, I would always put that song on. I got people to the dance floor. Everyone, everyone knows at least the chorus to that song. So um, it's not such a bad look. If the worst thing Eddie's got going for him is that he had a song called Party All the Time, listen, there's, there are very few people who don't know the words of that song. 
Um, now, actually, I love that video because yeah. Rick James looks very, it looks very intense about recording this song. <laughs> Rick James is like, I'm getting paid for this and I don't care. Like, it don't matter to me. <laughs> he was like, well, since it has my name on it, it's going to at least sound decent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but Rick James, like, he was another artist who transitioned, one of those artists from the 70s who transitioned, actually yeah. became a bigger star in the early 80s. Yeah, and he started producing a lot of, you know, songs for other people. You know, Mary Jane Girls was another group that he, you know, he put his foot into in the sense of, like, you know, put us in Tina Marie, obviously. Um, there, yeah, there's a bunch. There's a bunch on there. Um, and, again, he's one of those artists on the Motown label. Like, like who, you know, who would have thought that, right? Like, Motown known for, you know, Motown sound and Temptations and all that. And then all of a sudden, here's Rick James, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's definitely one of those artists that, um, you know, him that you know the gap band like you know the, the gap band is, is i remember going through my brother's records and that was a record that I, that I used to play all the time you know um you know the gap band you know party train was one of my favorite songs um but in that video was that's a crazy video too again it's like again like i said you you had you had one track that was like your your hit and then you if you had a, a nice video to go with it that that was it everyone loved you you know and the album was sell yeah, I think I think I told this on another. It might have been. I don't know if it was on the episode or we we were talking afterwards. I went to a. Uh, it was a festival, like in like I think I was eight years old. Oh yeah. Festival in Washington Park, and it was like it was Tina Marie, it was Cameo, and it was uh, the Gap Band. I think it was it was someone else. But those were three that I remember. And my mom, I think I I only think we like planned on one. I think we just saw it in the park and we just went. And it was a. Uh, and I remember my mother was yelling when the Gap Band came on. She was like, sing yearning, sing yearning. Yearning for your love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gap Band has some really great hits. Outstanding is, is one of my favorites. Um, yeah. There's a lot, a, lot, a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff in the 80s um, yeah. in terms of like those, those types of songs. But again, they weren't as popular. Like I said, there was like, you had one extreme where it was like all these popular artists and then you had these groups that, you, looking back, you appreciate more now, but back then it was just like, they were just kind of like an afterthought. It was tough. And I think that a lot of, uh, one of the the, the, la the most enduring thing of the 80s is that uh, a lot of their songs have been sampled oh, yeah. a lot in hip hop <laughs> for the 90s, especially, especially looking at you, Puff Daddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Puff Daddy, you know, he, he he, he says that I, I was watching a documentary, Hip Hop Evolution. He talked about that. Like, there's no shame. Like, he took a lot of songs from the 80s and, you know, made them into hits. There's no question. Yeah, and then speaking of yearning, I remember hearing, uh, recognizing the sample when Nas used it on mm -hmm. on a track on his Illmatic album. I was just like, man, this is yearning. And, he, and like, you, you see, like, a lot of the talent of producers are being able to flip these songs and, like, yeah. make them new. And a lot of, well, speaking of like, like the sampling thing, like De La Soul did a lot of sampling for, like their their late '80s albums, uh, things like Free Free Feet and Rising. And like their that's the reason why they can't get any publishing because Tommy Boy didn't clear those samples. <laughs> Look, the the worst the worst song ever sampled was Ice Ice Baby, right? Because you know I took. Oh wait, no, it was it, it was it was different. There, there's went ding, 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 ding. I was went ding, 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 
ding, ding, ding, ding, ding, ding, ding. Totally different. Totally different. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, between between you know Vanilla Ice and you know MC Hammer took a lot of those samples. Um, yeah, I mean, but look, that you know that was popular back then. You know, they made their money off of it, and you know, just gotta just gotta deal with it. You know, that's the way it is. Um, Right. So, what do you think? The, what's what's the, what's the lasting legacy of uh, '80s music? Yeah, I think I think we we hit on a, on a couple of things. I think it 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 will always be kind of like the the rock video slash you know one hit wonder kind of kind of deal because again you know there are a lot of artists that you may not know by name but you know if you say a song they're like oh yeah I know that song you know. Um, and a lot of variety. I, I always felt like the 80s had a lot of variety. Uh, a lot of these, um, you know, groups that had their own kind of niche and was just a little bit different uh, than everybody else. Um, but again, it was a fun, it was a fun decade because again, you, you can see the kind of the transformation of music because, you know, disco was, disco was it pretty much in the 70s. I mean, disco was like all, all day, every day. And so the 80s was kind of nice because it got away from that and then you had like a lot of these artists kind of come up and, and kind of you know carve their own niche um and again there were, and we haven't even talked about like some of the some of the real rock groups you know um you know we kind of we kind of hinted about them but then you know there's also like you know uh, oh we, we got like a, a major thing from the 80s uh chipper gore and like the reason we have those uh those yeah, the sensor. yeah yeah but yeah i mean it's but you know, again, I think I think the legacy of the '80s, you know, for, for for the most part, is you had a lot of songs that you recognized, but probably couldn't name the artist. Um, but again, the variety. Um, but again, the emphasis being like that was the the rock, you know, video kind of thing, and you know, MTV kind of making a lot of artists, making a lot of artists famous. Um, that's for sure. Um, and we didn't we didn't even touch on like some of the the girl rock groups, like the Bangles and Go Go's and yeah and people like that but again you know or even like the guns and roses you know um but another popular group from the 80s bon, bon jovi which every girl and in, in my in my elementary and early high school was like was in love with john bon jovi so um but yeah i mean there was just a lot of a lot of great variety of music you know but i think that was more of the rock era like i think that was kind of getting back to rock music especially on you know, the tail end of, of disco um yeah. And like I said, I think R&B kind of suffered because of that, but, you know, R&B made up for it in the 90s. Um, I think that's the 90s is when uh, R&B, R&B-ish songs became pop. Yep. Like, like the pop came to R&B, especially with like Boys to Men and like, mm-hmm. that's, I think that's the 80s where hip hop became the number one genre in America, yep. which it still is today, which is amazing that it's lasted a good 30, almost 30 years. Yeah. Being on top in America, like. And again, the, the 90s brought in the grunge sound, so that was a little bit different of the rock, you know. Um, I think that was the last, that was rock's last stand. Yeah, I, I would agree to that, yeah. I mean, they, they had to be, they had to be different. It had to, it had to come back strong because again, you know, the, the 90s was just, so saturated with R&B and rap that there, there were there there was so many different combinations. But yeah, but the 80s 80s had the rock. I mean, again, there's you know we haven't 
again, we, we, we just hit on some of the, the main artists, but there's a lot of artists that, you know, we didn't talk about that, that are up there as well. And, and some great, some really great songs from the eighties. I mean, there are a lot of great, what I call karaoke songs in the eighties, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of songs that people will go up there to, I mean, I have yet to, I mean, I've only, I haven't been to a whole lot of karaoke bars, but the ones that I've been to, there's always an 80s song being played in some way, shape or form, whether it's Cyndi Lauper or, you know, uh, uh, any kind of Michael Jackson song, Prince, The Police. Um, yeah, we, I, again, we even bring out The Police and, and Sting. Yeah. Or, or you know, one of my favorite groups, well, two of my favorite groups, Chicago and, and Cheap Trick. You know, those are two groups in the 80s that I, even though like, you know, the Chicago started, I think they both started late 70s, but they really got really popular in the 80s. But like, you know, Chicago was an actual band. You know, we're talking about like, you know, trumpets, trombones and, and the whole nine. And, you know, Cheap Trick was kind of like, you know, the one of those kind of like the Beatles-esque kind of group in a sense, but they were a little bit different. It's almost like, you know, if the Beatles were a punk band or punkish, you know, it, it would be Cheap Trick along those lines. But yeah, I mean, just Pat Benatar. I mean, there's just so many, man. Like we, we, we could, we um, can name a whole bunch. Um, yeah, great song. I think you, you mentioned Journey and they created the, uh, the the greatest soundtrack for the greatest baseball team ever, the 2005 Chicago hey, White Sox. Hey, you know, that's, <laughs> we're not playing favorites or anything, but yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, let's just say they, they had, I'm, I don't, I don't remember a team in Chicago sweeping the World Series. <laughs> We didn't, I don't. I don't know if we actually gave Bruce Springsteen his proper credit too for the '80s because he was one of those. He was one of those artists that um, got really popular in the '80s. I mean, like, I think he was. Uh, he was kind of like the uh, the antithesis to the uh, the Reagan's America. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That was another thing that kind of defined like the '80s music. It was like. It was the Reagan's '80s, like it was a time of like you know, like fast money and all that. Mm -hmm. That kind of and like crack that influenced a lot of hip hop. And they, they funded a lot of hip hoppers from books I've read, and I know like, like a lot of these rappers were like, like they like I remember old the jazz and the jazz age. They have like a patronage symptom. Like rich people would like just pay like jazz musicians just to play. A lot of drug dealers paid paid rappers. <laughs> Yeah. But we go, this is great. I think uh when we when we get the when we get a big group again, we're gonna do the nineties because that because then we'll have uh, we'll have we'll have we'll have, we'll have uh we'll have the younger people in, you know, so they can call us even older. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. Hey, I'm 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 always down, like I said, I'm I'm always down to talk music, talk sports, whatever the case may be, but um like I said, you know, I'm, I'm fortunate to have grown up in that era. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything because I'm glad that I was too young to remember disco music. Um, but, you know, for me, when you're talking 80s, again, you know, we talk rock, we talk, you know, pop, we talk house music. Um, but again, like the 80s was like the, the, the best mix of music uh, out there. And, and, and every person had their own. And, and that was the other thing, too, real quick before, before we, we jump off. The 80s was one of those eras where you could you could like a Michael Jackson, a Madonna, Police, Def Leppard, and no one no one would judge you any differently. I felt like the 90s was more kind of like you stay in your lane. Like if you like this artist, that's it. You don't really 
venture off into others. I felt like the 80s was kind of like a good era where you can like a whole lot of different artists and no one would judge you or think you know, think twice about it. Um, like, you know, for me, like, yeah, I grew up in the 80s, but I was a huge New Edition fan, but I also had, you know, Prince, Michael Jackson, you know, Lionel Richie, Billy Ocean, Police, Cheap Trick, Journey, Sticks. you know, we didn't even talk about Sticks, Queen, whatever the case may be. And I had, you know, Eric B, Rakim, Run DMC. So I had that whole variety and it didn't matter. You know, I felt like, you know, that that was the era for that. I don't think you really have that anymore where it's like you can venture off into different genres of music or like different artists and people, you know, people didn't judge you back then. You know, um, now I feel like they do. Like you have to like certain artists and you have to, you know, if it's rap music, it's just rap, that's it. You can't really venture off. At least that's just my impression. And even even in like rap music, like you, there there's become like a uh, different subgenres. Like you can, like you, you can't listen. Like if you listen to uh, let's say like like say Scarface, like okay, he's from the south. You can't listen to him. Mm-hmm. You can't also like uh, like LL Cool J. You can't like you can't like both. Yeah. Artists. Well, you know. We talked about that before, right? We talked about like you know rap music when it was either you like the East Coast or you like the West Coast. You couldn't yeah. like both. And then I said. You know, it wasn't until Dr. Dre came out, you know, with the chronic that 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 kind of changed where everyone had that. So yeah, you're right. I mean, I think, yeah, that's yeah. I think I think I'm on a documentary like part of like that whole like kind of regionalism. I think I remember Ice Cube said like it was like I had the the number one song in the country. Well, I think it was like Bow Down or something, but it it, it never got played in New York. Yeah. 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 You know, maybe maybe then that's when Snoop came in knocking down all the bills and saying New York hasn't been the same since. Yep. We can talk about that in the 90s, though. We'll save that for the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So this is a wild, wild episode. Uh, I forgot what I forgot what number. I think I'm getting close to 20 of these. But uh, you can catch this. Something for the people I want words. I'm back on SoundCloud, still on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And I got an email from iHeartRadio, they're going to review my request to get on there. Nice. And as of this, we'll I'll have the 90th episode, and uh, we have two more interviews with uh, two uh, young ladies I know, because some friend of mine said, you're not interviewing enough women. I'm like, okay, no more. The Sausage Fest is over. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, thank you, everyone who listens, and uh, please be good. Wear your mask if you go out. Drink water. It's good. It's good for you. Peace.